in our scriptures tonight to John chapter 16. Back to John chapter 16 and we're going to uh, be picking up where we left off this morning. John chapter 16. I'm trying to get my notes in order here. If you'll remember this morning we talked about uh, this role of the Holy Spirit. We uh, looked at the persecution that is promised uh, to the follower in Christ. And uh, look, it should be of no shock to us that the world doesn't care for us. Amen. It, it amazes me how many people uh, that name the name of Jesus Christ. And, and listen, I've been in this same boat myself. There's not uh, a week that goes by that I, I don't wish uh, uh, that, that I could do something that would make an impact on this world and what we consider an impact. Amen. On what our, our uh, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way or in a bad way, but just our, our finite minds, uh, we think of we look at some of these influencers online. We look at uh, people who uh, uh, give big lectures or maybe even athletes and uh, their platform that they have and they can speak to all of these different uh, uh, people at one time and we think we have very little influence. But here's the thing. When you simply obey God's Word... When you obey God's Word and live a life that's pleasing to God, and you share your faith in Christ Jesus with your friends and family and your circle of influence, that, friend, will have a greater influence for eternity than anything this world does. Anything this world has to offer. What we do for Christ. And so, sometimes, I don't, I don't know how often... And this may be the, the more morbid side of my mentality, but I often think, am I accomplishing anything? Amen? That, that's sometimes what, what we think as individuals. I'm not thinking, just saying just me alone, but we all have those moments in our life where we just stop and we go, is there something greater than this? And the answer is yes, and we're doing that work every day that we're living for Christ. Amen? We have a responsibility. And our responsibility will fit in line with the Holy Spirit working in us to accomplish the will of God here on this earth. And that's what we tried to, to portray this morning. And so this evening we're continuing and we're in John 16. Let's start in verse 12. Let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And we're just going to read four verses uh, here, uh, three or four verses, and then we're going to jump in and continue our verse-by-verse -verse study. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. We thank you that we 
have been given the privilege, although we did not deserve it, you still afforded us the privilege to draw nearer to you. Lord, we pray that we do not take that lightly. Lord, I pray this evening that that I personally and my family and our church, that we don't take the nearness that we can have with you and we view it apathetically. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged by the fact that you, the God of this universe, made way for someone as insignificant as I to be able to enter into your presence and make my petitions known unto you. Lord, I've done nothing to deserve it. Lord, we've done nothing to merit it. But yet we can still humbly draw nearer to you and we thank you for that truth. Lord, we pray now as we study and we continue to see the responsibility of your Holy Spirit here in this earth, here in this world. Lord, I pray, my prayer is that we would recognize that the Spirit's working is through us to accomplish your will. And Lord, I pray that you would change us forever with the truths that we learn from this book. Be with us now as we study. In Christ's name, and for Christ's sake, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And we've considered the role of the Spirit for the believer. He's our comforter. He's our earnest payment. He's our our seal. He's much more, amen, multitudes of things that the Spirit does for us. And then we also, this morning, focused on the role of the Spirit in the world, and that is to be a reprover. And lest we think that we have accomplished some status of perfection, He also reproves us as God's people, amen, when we backslide. And I don't technically like that term, so to speak. That's more of a term that's attributed to Israel in the Old Testament. But when we turn our backs on Him, when, when, we, when we negate our responsibilities in this Christian life, the Holy Spirit will reprove us, amen, through the working of the, of the Word of God in our lives. And it will correct us. It will convince us that we are in the wrong. So now remember where we're at. We're in the final hour of Jesus' uh, earthly ministry before His prayer. The final hours here. And uh, so let's jump right in back where we left off this morning in verse number 12. Only, only two points tonight. And I want us to see the breakdown uh, of what is given here for us. The role or the responsibility now. We've looked at His role. Now let's look at His responsibility. Verse number uh, 12 before we jump into those two points, I have yet many things to say unto you. This is Christ speaking. But ye cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them now. What is He telling the disciples? You can't handle it. You're not at a place to be able to receive what I have to give to you. Remember verse number 6 at the latter part? Sorrow hath filled your heart. He's told them that He's getting ready to leave He's getting ready to go. They're going to suffer persecution because the world hates Him and now the world hates them by association. And sorrow hath filled their heart. And so He has much more, many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. They weren't ready. Kind of reminds me of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
1 Corinthians 3. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. This just kind of came to mind here. But 1 Corinthians 3 and uh, verse number 2. For ye are yet carn, or I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. That carnal church, they couldn't handle the meat of the word. Now that's not what's happening here for the disciples. They could handle the meat of what Jesus had to offer. They've followed Him for three and a half years. They've performed miracles in His name. But yet here at this point, they were so filled with sorrow and self-defeat because of the truth that God has given unto them. Jesus says that, He couldn't add much more learning to what they were already learning. And so the latter part of this chapter from verses 12 on down to verse 33, we will see that it is very repetitious to ingrain in the reader the teaching that Jesus Christ has given to His disciples. Now, verse 13, we see our first point. How be it when He, He who? The Spirit of truth. When He has come, He will guide you into all truth. We see the first responsibility of the Spirit of God is to guide. Is to guide. He will guide you, but He will not guide us in life making sure that we step in the right step and that we apply for the right job and that we accept the right positions. That's not what it's talking about. It's telling us that the Spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. This evening I've written down some examples of the truth from Scripture that the Spirit guides us into. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Now I made the comment this evening in referring to our discipleship that's starting in April that if someone were to ask you to believe that Jesus is God, we would all say yes. And then I asked you the question, can you prove it with Scripture? And, and, you know, then that's when you can hear the pin drop. Amen? And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, even if you know, I know where to go in the Word of God to, to show a verse or two where it proves or states that Jesus is God. But a lot of times in those moments, you're always afraid that you're going to forget. Amen? I, I don't know about you, but I have become forgetful and it's not old age. I just have way too much information coming at me all the time. I can't... I've not been able to compartmentalize all of it in, in, in my mind. And I fear that some of that is a result of the technological age. And I look at our young people and I have no idea how they're going to survive with the overload of information. Amen? I have no idea. I don't know. I enjoy the technology and the, the benefits of it. But, but we were speaking this evening at, at this afternoon at lunch talking about how there's so many different things to distract. And unless you have a specific goal in order, then it becomes easy to get sidetracked. And that's what happens all the time. And so then your mind's never really structured in an order. And so I don't know if you struggle from that or not. I think a lot of times we attribute things to old age that aren't necessarily old age. Amen? Some of it's just the matter of that's the way life is because of of some type of a disorganization or a disconnect uh, uh, there. But look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the what. So the epistle that John has written, he's not writing to them because they don't know the truth. And here's the thing that we need to understand. Anytime that I present something to you that you think, I know this information. Like in our discipleship that we're starting. I know what the Bible says about God. 
it's not, we're, we're not going over the information because I don't believe that you know the truth. The Bible says, and, and, the, and the, uh, John says the same thing, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. It reinforces the knowledge that we already have. Now, here's the test of knowledge. There are many of us that say that we know the truth of Scripture. Here's the test. Can you teach it to someone else? If you cannot teach a subject to someone else, then you do not know the subject. That's the test of knowledge. Because what is teaching? It's the transfer of knowledge. And if you can't transfer the knowledge, then you do not have a good handle on the knowledge. Now, let me go ahead and say this. Some people are gifted teachers. Amen? Some people are a lot better at teaching. And some people are better at teaching some things than others. But all of us have a responsibility to teach the truths of Scripture to someone. We call that discipleship. Everybody should be discipling someone. If you in your personal life are not discipling someone on an individual level, you are not fulfilling the will of God in your life. Now, here's the thing. For some, you know, a lot of times we think discipleship and we automatically think, well, I'm not inviting someone out to coffee once a week and sitting down reading the Word of God. That's not always what discipleship looks like. Sometimes it's a grandma or a grandpa that's having a conversation with their grandchild about the Word of God and the truth of Scripture and directing them in their life choices and decisions to mirror the Word of God. Sometimes, if you're a parent, it's a mom or a dad. You're discipling your children as you're rearing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? But if there is no one in your life... Hey, husbands and wives, we can disciple one another in the Word of God. But we should be discipling, teaching, training somebody in our life about the things of God. About what the Word of God says. Look at verse number 22. We're still in 1 John chapter 2. I believe, yes, chapter 2, verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is anti-Christ that denieth what? The Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So remember we read that verse this morning that talked about that they will be killing the followers of Jesus Christ. They'll be killing the disciples and they think that they're doing it in the name of God. They're not following the right God. Because if they were following God the Father, then they would believe the Son. Verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is what? Truth. So what's the anointing? Truth. And is no lie. 
And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. So one of the examples of truth is that Jesus is God. And that truth gives us opportunity to meet God in the flesh. Because before that, God was where? Behind the veil. No one could get to God except for the high priest once a year. And that was only after a rigorous sacrifice and process of cleansing himself so that he could approach before the God of heaven in order to carry the sins of the people with him and offer the blood sacrifice to atone the the sins of the people for one more year. But now, because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to wait year by year. We have access through the veil. I was thinking about this this past week, Brother Grant, that, that, that veil, when the book of Hebrews tells us that the veil of His flesh was torn. And we look at that veil in the temple that it was ripped in twain from top to bottom and that that example that it gives us that tells us that you can enter in. But then if you look at it from the truth of Hebrews, it is an illustration of what... Because what what was torn at the same time that the veil was rent in twain? The body of Christ was ripped away from the Spirit of Christ because He died. Amen? And in order to have access to the Father, you have to go through the veil. The Son, Jesus Christ. And that veil was ripped in twain for us. All that truth, that's a truth that the Holy Spirit has given us. That's the truth that is an example of truth that the Holy Spirit has guided us toward. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Here's another example. Chapter 2, look at verse 15. If you're still with me, say amen. 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 All right. That helps me out a little bit sometimes. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. Oh, let's, let's go back a little further. Let's look at... Verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, saved Jews. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. The other saved Jews, like Peter, dissembled. They separated, they departed insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to what? The truth of what? The gospel. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. But how? By faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ 
and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's another truth of Scripture that the Spirit has guided us into. That it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His what? Mercy. According to His mercy. It's not anything that we do to merit or earn the mercy of God. He is merciful. And He has offered His only Son to us. And so one of the, another example of truth that we are guided to by the Spirit of God, if we look at the Word of God, is not only that Jesus is God, but that the Gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, our eternal life, is a faith in that God. Not in anything that we do. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2. A third truth. And you realize that we could go on and on and on with the truths that we are guided to when we allow the Spirit to use the Word of God to guide us to all truth. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's another truth that the Holy Spirit guides us to, that the Scripture is true. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus, and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. The truth of what? The truth of the Scripture, the truth of the Word of God. Saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. What was Hymenaeus and Philetus teaching? The resurrection had already happened. What resurrection? The rapture. It couldn't have been... It's not possible for it to have been the second coming. Because if it was, then that means that the tribulation had already happened. Amen. And they knew about the time of Jacob's trouble because that was foretold all the way back in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. So if they're teaching here that the day of the Lord was coming or was already upon them, and the resurrection of the dead had already come to pass, then what they would have thought was that Jesus was back. That's not what they're teaching. Hymenaeus and Philetus was teaching, they were teaching that the catching away had already occurred, and the resurrection of the dead had passed, and everyone still here had missed it. Now notice, verse 18, Concerning the truth have erred. Now that's a comfort because the Scripture teaches us that that day has not happened yet. Amen? We haven't missed that wonderful, glorious day where we will be caught away with Him in the clouds. That resurrection has not passed. The resurrection is future. And that is another truth that the Spirit guides us to. Now if you've got your place back at John 16... Those are just 
three examples of truth that the Spirit guides us to. Many other examples we could look at, but we won't for sake of time. Notice verse 13, the Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Not only does He guide us into all truth about God, but He also shows us that which is to come. A few things. In studying this, I would write down the things to come, two words, revelation and mystery. Revelation and mystery. Because it is by the Spirit of God that things were revealed to the writers of the New Testament. That's how it worked. God told Jesus, Jesus told the Spirit, and the Spirit inspired those apostles to write epistles to the churches and some to the tribes that were scattered abroad. And so the Holy Spirit used men to reveal some things, but the Scripture tells us of that this was going to happen here. Jesus says He will show you things to come. We're going to look at three things. Romans chapter 11. Yeah, maybe more than three on this one. Romans chapter 11. Now for sake of time, we won't read the whole chapter. And all God's people said, Amen. Alright. But I want us to look at verse 25. Romans chapter 11, verse number 25. Now we've been here a couple of times recently. That's why we've come back here. Because we're going to be familiar with it. I, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this what? Mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. What's the mystery? That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, Romans chapter 11 is where we learn about the grafting in of the wild olive tree among the preferred olive tree, amen, which is Israel. We are the wild olive tree. We are the wild olive branch. Verse 17, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, verse 18, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm... I'm just filtering through what's going to be relevant for what we're doing tonight. And we've gone over some of this, so I'm trying to filter through that too, so bear with me. But it's important that we recognize that this portion, the Gentile inclusion in the plan of God, was a mystery. It was a mystery. You see, when they were looking, the Jews were looking for a Messiah... 
They were looking for a Moses-type figure to come and lead them out of Roman captivity and to be their ruler, their leader, their guide. That's what they were looking for. Not a Savior that would save their eternal soul and include all the nations in that. You see, for thousands of years, Israel, the Jewish people, boasted of their position in the plan of God. They boasted, were prideful in where they stood as the apple of God's eye. Remember our study on Jonah. Remember Jonah, a lot of people, they think he, he wanted to avoid going to Nineveh because of the persecution. That's not why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. In studying it out, that's the reason he was mad at the end of the book. He was mad at God for sparing Nineveh. Why? They didn't persecute him. For the same reason he didn't want to go in the first place. Taking the news of God's redemption to the Gentiles. So here are the Jews. Here are the Gentiles. That was the way the Jews looked at it. Amen? That's how they looked at it. To take that and to warn a people who were barbaric in nature was an affront to his Jewish pride. And it's the same thing here. But notice Paul is flipping it around. He's warning in verse 17 and 18 that we as the Gentiles should be careful that we don't boast in the fact that we are included in the plan now. Amen? We don't replace Israel. We now, Jew or Gentile, that place their faith and trust in Christ Jesus, we are part of a heavenly body, a heavenly citizenship, a heavenly family, a heavenly nation whose head is the Lord. And we ought not boast in that because at the end of time, we are still nothing. It's He who is everything. And so we need to be very careful of that. But now notice Romans chapter 11 verse 25. What does the Apostle Paul call this? A mystery. A mystery. How did the Apostle Paul know about this mystery? Because of John 16 and verse 13. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at chapter 16 of Romans. Last chapter in the book of Romans. Verse 25. Now to Him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Now, there's your built-in King James Bible definition of a mystery. Something that's been kept secret. Now, I know, I know, when you come here, you get mind-blowing new information. Amen? But look, that's what the Bible says. According to the revelation of the mystery, the mystery that's been revealed, because before... Before it was revealed, it was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest, and by the what? 
scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to who? All nations. Made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Verse 27. I love verse 27. What a wonderful end to this book that comes after the transition of Acts from Old Testament into New Testament. And then Romans begins to show us the inclusion of the Gentiles in the plan of God for the purpose of the provocation of Israel, if you'll remember from Romans chapter 10. Verse 27, ending the entire book, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Now, this mystery is shown to us through the Scriptures and the prophets. Quickly, one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at chapter 2. Look at verse Look at verse number 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there was wisdom out there that was hidden. That was the mystery. We have been made privy of the mystery of godliness. Amen? Verse number 8 which none of the princes of this world knew. Now that ought to be encouraging to you right there. Amen. All the wise men of the world had no idea about the promised Messiah that would come and wash away the sins of the world. But you have that information. You know that mystery that none of the princes of this world knew. Now verse 8, the rest of the verse, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now remember, we always like to stop at this verse, and I have heard preacher after preacher after preacher start saying the things that we don't know about the future and about what God has and the, the seas of crystal and the gates of pearl. Then they start naming the things that they know. Amen? That's always kind of twisted my mind a little bit. But then notice, we forget verse 10. God hath revealed them unto us by what? His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And who has received that Spirit, that earnest payment, that seal of redemption, who has that Spirit residing within them? What people has access to that Spirit? We do. Christians save people. The Spirit that searches the deep things of God. And God is ready and willing to reveal them 
unto us. All we have to do is seek. Seek and ye shall find. Back to John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit, His responsibility, His role as comforter, His role as reprover, His responsibility as guide. Now look at verse 14. He shall glorify me. For He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. This is where most have erred concerning the Holy Spirit. The belief is that the Spirit will reveal Himself in some type of an existential emotional experience. This is not the responsibility of the Spirit. Consequently, many have left the faith due to this misguided expectation. They've left the faith. They've departed. They've erred. They have no part in it. They don't want it because it has no depth to it. When we comprehend the Spirit is not to bring attention to anyone but Jesus, that will change how we approach our spiritual relationship with the Holy Ghost. Look at John 13. Here in John 16, just a couple of chapters back. John 13, verse 31. Therefore, John 13, verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, who? Judas Iscariot. He'd already been given permission to go. Satan had entered into him. When he was gone out, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify Him in Himself and shall straightway glorify Him. What is Jesus saying? What is He teaching? Now is the Son of Man glorified. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus Christ. And God is glorified where? In the Son of Man. If God be glorified in Him, in the Son of Man... God shall also glorify Him, the Son of Man, in Himself, in God. Why? Because the two are one. The two are one. The Son of Man is God in the flesh. And so when the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is glorified, then by association, God is glorified. And when God is glorified, again, Jesus is glorified. Back to verse 14. He shall glorify me, John 16. He shall glorify me, for He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Look at verse 15. We're almost done. Well, I say almost, but we're we're close. Amen. All things that the Father hath are whose? Let's look at it together. John 16, 15. All things that the Father hath are whose? Mine. They're Jesus's. They belong to Jesus. That's the reason. Therefore, see that therefore? What's the therefore, therefore? Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. What is he taking? What is the Holy Spirit taking of Jesus Christ and showing to His followers, all things. Remember in our 
theme last year, 2 Peter chapter 2, what has been given unto us? All things pertaining to life and godliness. That's what the Spirit has revealed. That's what is given to the Spirit to reveal to us. All things, because everything that the Father hath belongs to the Son. Let's look at a couple. We've already looked at John 13. Uh, John 13, we looked at verse 31. Let's look at verse 3. I'll read it to you for sake of time. Amen. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He was come from God and went to God. Look back at Romans uh, chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Look down about verse 33. Romans chapter 11. I want you to look at this one. I love this verse. Romans 11.33 Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You see, just hold on just a second before we keep going. That's our mentality that's wrong sometimes. We want God to bless us materially. That's what we want. We want a material blessing. We want a physical blessing. We want to be healthy. We want to be wealthy. But notice, the riches of God, the depth of those riches are in the wisdom and knowledge of Christ. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Look, continue. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him? And it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him and through Him and to Him are what? All things to whom be glory forever. Amen. You cannot exhaust the knowledge, the unsearchable riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. That's why the Apostle Paul says that I may know Him. That was his desire. Everything else in life is meaningless. It's worthless when compared to God. I love my family. Anybody that thinks that I don't doesn't know me very well. I do everything that I can to provide for them. I do everything that I can to protect them. I do everything that I can to love them and to show them the love that I believe that God would show. Everything that I can. Am I perfect? No. But there's something that we must confess. There's something that I must confess. I love God more. I love God more. I want to know Him more than I know my own wife because of what He's done for me. Because of who He is. And because of what He has given me and the wonderful blessings. I can't fathom it because I don't deserve it. I have to know more about Him. Because let me just tell you something right now. If I were God, I wouldn't love me the way He loves me. If I were God, I wouldn't love you the way that He loves you. If I were God, one mistake, one cross look, one back turn to me, and I would be, you're done. Amen. Amen. 
but our God who is rich in mercy. I want to know Him. Look, 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 let's look at a couple more. Look at Colossians chapter 1. This is a very familiar one. All things, all things that belong to the Father belong to the Son. And those things, the unsearchable riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, He gives to the Spirit. And the Spirit shows us. Colossians 1.16 for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. Back to John 16, we're almost done. I don't know if I gave you the second point or not, but we have the responsibility of the Spirit to guide and the responsibility of the Spirit to glorify Jesus Christ. He is to glorify Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God. Psalm 24 and verse 1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The Spirit will guide us into all truth and show us how we may bring glory to Christ. I read this morning in the world of technology, there is a development called a hypersonic sound. And the inventor, Elwood Woody Norris, has engineered the sound waves to travel like a laser beam for about 150 yards. And it allows... The, the sounds to be heard by a single person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around them. That's kind of creepy. Amen? Amen? So someone could make a sound through a machine, aim it at Brother Jerry from 150 yards away, football field and a half. Am I right? Football field and a half? All right, very good. Brother Royce, football field and a half, right? Amen? All right, Clemson. There we go. A Clemson and a half football field. All right. Aiming at Brother Jerry, and nobody else would hear it. And Brother Jerry would look at Miss Amagene and say, What did you say? Amen. <laughs> what did you just call me? Amen. <laughs> and she'll say, You're going crazy. You're hearing things. But the moment you move out of the direction of that hypersonic sound, out of the particular area where it's aimed, you can't hear it either. What's the point? God's communication with us is very similar. Amen. It's very similar. How? In that we must be in the right place to hear the Spirit guide us. Now, now I'm not getting mystical. Follow with me. Where's the right place? It's in your lap. And if we move out of the way, then we miss the message that God is trying to give us. And just like a hypersonic sound, the Word of God, all we have to do to direct it into our hearts is read it and search it and follow it. So here's the question. 
Are we allowing the Spirit to accomplish His role and His responsibility in our lives? Are we allowing Him to guide us? Or are we allowing Him to glorify Jesus Christ through us? Let's stand together as we pray a dismissal prayer. I hope you're challenged today.